What up, dog? My brother in heavy metal and lifts and riffs. How are you? Doing good, man. How are you? Good, bro. Nice to see you again. How? What's going on? Bolt thrower? Is that a bolt thrower? Fucking long sleeve you got on? It's a bolt thrower long sleeve. I've uh, I, I'm taking advantage. I'm I'm making lemonade out of lemons. Is what I'm doing. My new office in the new apartment is cold as fuck. So I'm trying to to take that as an opportunity for my long sleeves to get a little bit more play throughout the summer months. And uh, that's my, that's like all optimism and silver lining that I can muster for today, but God damn it. It's something. How are you? What's going on? I'm good, man. I'm here. Sorry. I was late to this podcast. I was doing pushups and drinking liquid death, sparkling water, talking about that partnership coming on. You know, these are both two incredibly important things that if there was ever a reason to be late for anything, push-ups is at the top of that list right. and stick liquid refreshment is directly beneath it. So good. And man, I don't even know because this dude just is in the waiting room. So I mean, well, I guess we shouldn't wait, waste his time with us babbling around. Let's do, give him a quick intro. We're going to get our mans in here. Today, we are joined by a motherfucker all the way from the swamps of Florida. He is the guitarist. He is a songwriter of a band called Wharf Lurch. We're going to talk about their upcoming debut full-length, Psychedelic Realms of Hell. It's our boy, Mike Colby. Bring that motherfucker in here. I better He better have the fucking video on, too, because I'm not trying to just hear this motherfucker. I want to see that beautiful face. There he is right there. What's what up, it dog? do? Hi. What's up, man? Hi. How you doing? I feel pretty good. How you mama doing? Um, how's your mama doing? Mama doing good, man. How your grandmama doing? <laughs> you, you southern boys is crazy, man. <laughs> that is what is, so yeah that's a good place that's actually a good place to start um what is it do you consider florida the south mike um i consider it actually i, I consider like north central florida the south yeah like where i live like anything above like orlando and that area is like north central florida right so that's kind of like part of the south you know but um south florida is like another whole fucking thing that's what my, my my wife says the same thing. She grew up in Naples. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of people, like, especially, like, in South Florida, she'll be like, oh, they, they, they've they got this Southern culture thing that they think they're a part of down there, but they're just fucking not. And I was like, yeah, that seems it's to true. make a little bit of There's no, like, that really, like, what they call the Deep South shit. Yeah, it's not down there because it's a mashup of Yankee-ass retirees. Yeah. And people from Cuba, Puerto Rico, Haiti, Dominican Republic, like all these people from the Caribbean and also from Mexico. It's a it's a it's a rich, a rich cultural milieu, a melting pot of all kinds of fun influences. A uh, melting the swamp. Food, the food is fucking dope. We can't lie about that. That's that's one um, thing that everyone benefits from. Yes, yes, agreed. And like you are taking part in a very grand tradition down in Florida. You're a fucking death metal band coming from death metal central, dog. Hell yeah. We like this and we're excited to talk about it today. We gave you a little intro a while ago. You and I know each other. I'm Schuler. Joining us today is Zach. Have you guys ever talked before? Zach? No. Hi, Zach. How are you, bud? What's up, man? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm super honored and uh, pleased to have the opportunity. The dude we're talking to today 
fun guy. Yeah, man. Killer sense of humor. Happens to be a really awesome death metal musician, which always makes the chat even better. But uh, the 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 highlight of this for me today, other than hearing about the new Warflesh record, is getting to talk uh, to a dude who I think brightens my social media feed on two fronts. We got Facebook and Instagram that I interact with this motherfucker. It makes nice, me happy. Yeah. What's it? What's I'm glad. Tag. Let's spread it on the interwebs right now. It's your, but it's your fucking, thing on Instagram. Tell me. It's Warflurch. Oh, is that is that you? You're Warf. Okay. Yeah. He's, sometimes yeah, I mean, I, I, band, and sometimes you know, there's you have an individual one too. So okay, never mind. I got you. Yeah, like um, I'm pretty much the only one in the band who handles the, the social media stuff. I am the only one. Um, our guitar player he has his own like kind of meme king page that he does, and like you know, death metal guitars and memes, right. and that's it. You know. Sure. But you're you're doing the real work. You're spreading the real word. Yeah, I'm trying anyway. So yes, and, and like it's it's you know, Zach's like, what's your what's your handle? And you say wharf lurch. Thank God um that nobody gets you confused with all the other wharf lurches out there, right? <laughs> Relatively easy act to find. Tell us about the name of the band, man. Well, it's it's funny that you introduced it like that because really the name preceded the actual band, you know, but I, I spent a long time thinking about it because I wanted to make something that was, you know, when you Google it, the only fucking thing that comes is the band. There's no like cultural reference. There's no, oh, this is from a comic book or a movie or a fucking yeah. the Necronomicon or what have you. So that was my main uh, thing. I'm like, I'm not even going to start a band until I have a name, that, you know, that I feel is worthy of what I'm trying to pull off. And that makes sense. I mean, because we've got the, I hate to use the term saturated when we talk about like death metal and when we talk about sort of, of uh, anything that, that is like a labor of love and that a lot of people are really into. I think that when you talk about like a market getting saturated, that sort of reduces it in a way that is kind of harmful to talking about the music and that also makes it feel cheap in a way that it's not right like musicians don't intend for it to be and the people who enjoy it i think by and large don't intend for it to be either but there is no denying that like social media is very much a uh launching platform a means of circulation a primary vector of communication for like underground death metal bands and so in order to you know, stand out, in order to do something that's gonna get more people to pay attention and that's gonna be more than just like a passing thing that you swipe by as you're going down an Instagram feed, there needs to be some sort of individuality there that's gonna stand out a little bit. And that to me is one of the things that, you know, obviously you notice that directly when you, when you think about the name, like it's like you said, you're not fucking finding anything else when you look this up. Sure. Um, but at the same time, you know, especially with the new record, I feel like you guys are moving into a really sort of individual phase in the in the in your growth so far. Um, I love the album artwork. Uh, I really love the font of the name <laughs> of the record on the yeah. album. Yeah. Like you listen to the new single Celestial Mycelium and there's this really cool sort of synthy intro on it. Like it seems like you guys have, have started off in a place where a lot of what you were doing sort of reflected the band's status regarding like being in the demo phase or whatever, but it feels sure. like this new stuff is very much an expansion of what you were trying to do. And so when you say you picked up the name a long time ago and you really want something that's going to encompass what you're trying to do musically, 
Um, I've kind of said where I think the band was and where I think it's going, but why don't you tell us sort of like what, what was the impetus for beginning the band? Um, what sort of phases have you guys gone through so far? And like, what, what stage are you setting uh, for this next phase of the band with the new, with the new record, with the debut full length? Yeah. So, uh, well, when we started, it was just me and John Mamo, who is the vocalist of the band. And at first I was doing all the music and we were collaborating on lyrics and he was doing all the vocals. And it, it really started as um, a recording project, you know, just to like, yeah, do those and see where we were at, but also kind of like hone it into the sound, figure out what we didn't want to do, where we wanted to go. And, um, you know, after making, we did Lurking Doom the same way, but with just like a much nicer production setup. And, you know, that one definitely kind of was more in the, the vein where we really wanted to go eventually. And then after that, we put together like a full lineup and started playing that stuff. But like we learned all those songs really quickly and then started writing all this new stuff with like the people in the band being there interacting and giving feedback and stuff. And that's where all the shit slime material came from, basically. So like moving on past that, after we finished that, like that's when actually writing for this album really began. And some of it I wrote here at the house and then brought to the band. And some of it we wrote in the warehouse and uh, together. But for the most part, uh, you know, we had all this music. And we had other songs too, but we had a certain group of songs where like, this is like the album, this shit right here, you know? And it was kind of like me and Mamo, you know, we eat a lot of mushrooms and all this kind of stuff like that. And so we were, we were always tossing back. We read a lot of science fiction as well. So we're always tossing back ideas and like coming up. And then even when we started just naming these songs, like when we would just record them on the phone to demo it, to have it to listen to, like it was like I wrote Psychedelic Realms of Hell, you know, <laughs> just because like we had a trippy ass outro on the song, you know, and it was just yeah. like all this stuff like that, you know, and it, it, it kind of like, once we started saying these things, we were like, oh man, we have like a true theme going on here. And like, it was just one of those things where we had a chance to like fully embrace this like idea that we had and just say, we're doing this and we want it to look like this. And we want it, I don't know. I just want the shit to stand out and, and be stand on its own as well. You know? And, and I mean, I, I, I feel like that is, you know, especially I've only heard the the single from the new record, but I, I got to say, I'm very excited to hear the rest of the record and sort of see how it fits into there, like context wise, um, because it does feel like we're, we're getting taken on a journey here. It does feel like there is a story unfolding. It's very cinematic in a way that I think you guys earlier stuff was more immediate and more raw. And again, like that's just that's sort of the way bands progress, right? Like you get sure. together and go around ideas and you start somewhere and then you, you know, pick your trajectory and go where you go. Um, and so you, you've talked, you, you talked specifically about you and Memo, uh, doing mushrooms and fucking reading science fiction and throwing ideas around like that. So it's really cool to see sort of the collaborative spirit of this thing and, and, and get you to talk about that, you know, know that it's more than just your project or, or just his project. Yeah. As you guys, as you guys bring in other members, um, it's going to get broader and broader, I would assume. Um, what's the collaborative space been like over the last year with covid last year and a half with covid like you said you know you guys um did a little bit in your room you did a little bit in the warehouse like has, has did that sort well, of derail you guys at all or what 
Nah, I mean, we didn't we didn't even get started rehearsing in a warehouse until like April of last year during quarantine. Like we started rehearsing during the lockdown because me and Mamo had just come back from Mexico. We we're already like, fuck this. We're like, we're locked down, dog. Like, yeah. let's just keep playing music. Like, you know, so we <laughs> kept doing. But we were rehearsing like twice a week, sweating our balls off in the warehouse um, because there was quite literally nothing else to do. Yeah. And uh, it was also fun to just get to hang out with people, you know, we're like, we're only hanging out with each other. There was times when like somebody was worried and they had to get a, a, a COVID test to make sure it wasn't weird. Nobody ever got it. There was, it was always just a scare, you know what I mean? So that was yeah, good. And it, well, that, which is super good. I mean, like you, I, I just recently moved out of South Carolina, but I spent the majority of COVID in South Carolina. You've spent yeah. all of it in Florida. Um, it seemed like some of those, the, the those states didn't necessarily know infrastructure wise had handled this for a little while um that is true and arguably arguably still don't but that's neither here nor there i'm gonna what tell you though seems, in yeah. florida the florida is one thing but i'm i live in gainesville yeah in gainesville would be nothing if there wasn't like a university here right so it really is yeah. a true college town oh yeah that's like the that's like the thriving heartbeat of this town you know and a lot of those kids were acting the fool but like on the in the towny side of things like people were like masked up people weren't do people were not fucking around in gainesville yeah com compared very, to the rest of the state uh, very similar vibes in columbia south carolina i bet the university of south carolina is there was uh especially you know being you know i did a show there the, once no shit where'd you play uh i don't know some big fucking amphitheater I was djing farm, i was maybe I did a um yeah it was great I did an opening I was the, the DJ that opened up for Dave Chappelle doing stand up comedy so it was oh, incredible. Shit. Well, that's uh, the, and see, dude, this is part of the reason that I love this podcast because we don't really have necessarily like a mission statement and the the topics <laughs> tend to snake all over the place. So let's let's come back to Warflurge here in a little bit. We'll come back to Florida here in a little bit. One of the things that I have realized about you um, is that you like this is not your first rodeo, man. You've been making music <laughs> for a really long time. Uh, yes, sir. You've been making heavy music for a really long time, but it also seems like you've got a pretty diverse area of interests in other areas too, DJing and such. So, like, sure. tell us a little bit about your music history personally. Talk about you know if you don't mind. I don't want to oh, cool. shift shift the focus off of uh, of, of the, the the main thing that we're here to talk about. But sure. Well, time. I mean, it, it's also part of it, you know, because for me, yes, like, absolutely. So I was just about to say, please go ahead. Like I when I grew up, um, you know, music was a big deal in my family. I play guitar. My grandma, she could play all kind of instruments and had a beautiful voice. You know, my other grandmother, she had like in their living room, a baby grand piano and like one of those like mall organs with the drum machines and like the two keyboards and the bass pedals and shit. <laughs> So like I grew up fucking around with that and like honestly started making music on that thing. Once I learned that you could record it, I would like program my little drum beat and then like play some shit over it, you know, like, yeah. and then when I was like 10 or 11, I started playing guitar. Like I, like I would come home from school and my dad would like not come home for work for a couple hours. So I would like sneak his little guitar out from under the bed and just like learn chords out of the Mel Bay book. And then after that, it was all like, you know, Black Sabbath, Herbie Hancock, fucking Curtis Mayfield, yes, Slayer, yes. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all, all these things were hitting me at once. You feel me? And uh, to me, it was all like super. It was all stuff I could get passionate about. It was all feel, you know. Yeah, and especially so, compared to radio music and shit. Do you remember the first Curtis Mayfield record you heard? The absolute first Curtis Mayfield song I ever heard was. Um, 
you're so good to me. Dude, that's awesome. Curtis Mayfield just has a special place in my heart. It was one of those, like, like early on, I discovered him too. And he's been like riding with me ever since through my death metal journey. I feel like he's yeah, yeah. place, man. I love hearing that. You don't Curtis Mayfield isn't a name that gets dropped too often on lifts and rips. This is <laughs> very true. This is very true. <laughs> it's a good man. I've been thinking about him. I haven't haven't watched Superfly in a while, but like I do have like certain like Curtis Mayfield records and shit, like a lot of forty fives of like Hell different, yeah. more deeper cuts of his that I really love. So yeah. I always break that shit up. So a very a very diverse beginning, uh, ranging from you know you, you just named up Curtis Mayfield right after Slayer. So like that's you know, you're all you're you're across the spectrum. Right, you know you like that that's that's gonna mean that you're pulling in a lot of interest interesting sort of influences that may not get into this kind of music otherwise i mean honestly i feel like being like a real little kid i was into like break dancing and rap music and shit yeah. and like i like i was listening to a beastie boys tape as a kid and i'm like holy shit that's the drums from my dad's led zeppelin record holy shit that's the guitar from the black sabbath record that he has yeah. and like i started putting all that shit together to me it was all just like yeah you can do all this shit like fuck it and so where did that journey start when you started doing all this shit? What was your first music that you made? Uh, the first music I made, me and my buddy Whitey had, uh, you know, he was like, he would come over and spend the night at my house. We were like 13, 14. And I had like a little drum machine and a four track, and, or not even a four track at the time. We just had like a boom box. And we would stay up late at night making thrash metal songs. You know, we had a song called Kill Saddam, very topical at yes. the time. When, how, how old are you? I the same age i'm 44 okay we're close i'm I'm about to be 38 so yeah it's uh that was very much a topic of fucking conversation yeah. back 1991 in like the, hot button yeah early 90s mid 90s all right yeah go ahead so thrash records in the bedroom what else yeah i mean we were super into like i was super into you know like my first real like metal thing i probably ever listened to on my own was i checked out the metallica tape ride the lightning from the library what yeah dude my library had ride the lightning and i checked that out and ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars on the same day brother you're speaking my language dude that's probably, <laughs> my, that's probably my favorite album of all time ziggy stardust yeah that's I a was, fucking brilliant album yeah man i was i was i'm heavily into like all kinds of music but especially that kind of shit i did well, a lot for of me back in the day too so that that really helped dude like so at that time when i got that tape like i already know who david bowie was you know let's dance sure, yeah. you. it's a whole like, all that shit yeah. was on the radio yeah. could so not like, escape oh, that shit man yeah. vh1 fucking video constantly yeah so that shit was just all over the radio and everything i knew who david bowie was but then i saw this other tape i'm like oh shit david bowie whoa look at this crazy makeup i'm like what is this shit and i looked at the year i'm like this came out when hold up you know i was like fascinated with that well, then you check it out, and it's like I, again, like that. It was kind of the same experience for me. Like I, I remember hearing the, especially "Let's Dance." Like, and I, you know, I'm sorry to anybody out there who's like a Bowie stan or whatever, but I fucking hate that song. I hated it when I was a kid. I hated it on the radio. Yo, you know what I hated even more? I hated when Puff Daddy made a song out of it, and that became a hit too. I was like, really? Again? <laughs> we got to do this shit all over. I do it again a decade later. Great. Well, like, I remember talking shit about it and my dad playing older stuff for me and my dad being like, this, this, this is the same guy. And he played me like Suffragette City. And yeah, uh, I just remember thinking like, this is fucking, there's like riff power. Oh, dude. Shit, oh, that's know? real rock. It is. Yeah, it is. It was, it was tight. And so it was really cool to sort of rediscover different versions of, of bands 
um, or, or artists that had become famous and sort of and, and, and sort of changed styles or, or, you know, acclimated to the current cultural climate, however you want to put it. But another one of those bands, interestingly enough, is Metallica. Right. For like, sure. I was I, just thinking that just because of just because of my age and just because of sort of like I'm not sure how connected Gainesville is like. I don't know if you saw a lot of shows growing up or what, but like I grew up in South Arkansas, like right next to the Louisiana border, tiny town, no shows ever came through. Like the only shit that really got to us was like the heavier shit that like somebody's older brother introduced you to or the stuff that was on MTV and everything. Right. So like my introduction to Metallica was load. Um, and I remember <laughs> being like, you know, this is, I, I, I feel like these guys have this boogeyman reputation and that's not exactly how this music strikes me. But at the same time, like, I guess it's heavy enough, you know, it's okay. And then like fast forward a couple of years later and somebody introduces me to ride the lightning or I think, I, I think I actually heard master of puppets before I heard yeah, ride the yeah. lightning, just being like, what, this is the same band. And so when you can see that sort of journey in another artist and then maybe sort of apply yeah. it to yourself as a it. musician, like that, I think, is a really interesting and sort of empowering thing to be able to do, especially as a kid when you're still growing, right? When you're still learning. Yeah, and you can see the, the actual arc and trajectory of someone's career where in ways you wouldn't have had a, a vantage point before. To me, it was the same thing with Herbie Hancock. Like, I was a little kid and Rocket was on the radio. And it's like breakdancing music and shit, you know? But then I go back and I'm like finding these Miles Davis records. Oh, Herbie Hancock's the piano player on this. Oh, shit. And then all these crazy Herbie Hancock records like Mwandishi and uh, Crossings and all this like super psychedelic Afrofism jazz shit. And uh, yeah, it's there's a lot of breadth in these people's careers. Which, and that's tight, I think. It's, I love it. And, and when you can sort of incorporate that into your own arc, I think that that is probably pretty gratifying, pretty fulfilling. Now you yeah, so in like 10, 15 years when these kids, they, they see Warf Lurch on TV with the fucking uh, Flint, uh, Michigan Hill Philharmonic and uh, we're playing, you know, oh, they're, they're bringing back the Psychedelic Realms of Hell album. They're going to play the whole thing with an orchestra this time. And they're this like, wow, be, this band sucks. Maybe I should listen to their old catalog. This will be after you guys are doing the eyeliner and the, uh, you know, everybody else in the band who's got long hair cuts their hair and all that stuff. That'll be when you enter your load phase. Yeah, um, yeah. Whatever, whatever that may look like. Well, we already got the load snare on shit slime, so we're good. Oh, do you? I don't know. That's what it sounded like before I mixed it for sure. <laughs> Is that what you were going for? No, I, we just recorded it at the warehouse, and I and the snare is shitty. <laughs> I don't think it sounds shitty. I, I mean, that's I, why, but that's why we called it shit slime. We're like, fuck it, you know. What I mean, like this is this is where we're at, you know. Slime, <laughs> <laughs> you throwing me for loops. Um. <laughs> so yeah, you know what's funny though? When I first heard "Ride the Lightning," yeah. I was like, oh my god, this band's amazing, but. Like, as it turns out, Master of Puppets had just come out like a month earlier or something like that. Yeah. So I was able to go right from Ride the Lightning to like their brand new album, which was Master of Puppets. And I went and got that. And that was like, of course, you know, ultra mind blowing. Yeah. Um, so go, let, go, going back to the to the to the snare conversation. Oh, sure. Um, what are you like one of those? Are you one of those like super attuned musical ear dudes? like can get thrown off of an entire song or something by like 
the guitar sound or like the bass sound or the drum sound or something like that? Is that is that just nah. something in your own music that you pay really close attention to, or is that something? Yeah, that really I mean, like if I'm forced to evaluate something, I could be like, well, you know, maybe they should have did this. But usually, I unless it's like super in your face annoying, you know, like I don't I don't usually trip about you know that type of thing too much. You know, I, as long as a recording has a quality that makes it kind of come together. You know, there can be some shitty elements that work well, you know? Yes. And that's like, like, honestly, when I did the mix for the shit slime album, I was having or the EP, I was having a fucking terrible time getting the guitars to sit right in the mix because I was trying to make them like heavy and chunky and all this stuff. And then like I put I grouped them together and I put like uh, like an EQ plug in on that. And then I just rolled off the bass frequencies and I kept rolling them off. And the more I did it, I'm like I just I just pulled all the bass shit out of there and when you hear the guitars by themselves they sound like shit but when you hear it with the bass and the drums it's like now it sounds like a band yeah and uh, which is uh, and I think that that's how a lot of sort of unconventional albums end up working and whether or not you want to call it good so like shit slime right I I enjoy Saint Anger on the other hand <laughs> I feel like Saint Anger is like is it a is it a good record no is it an effective record absolutely yeah i mean it'll it'll wrench a response from you yes all of those things come together in a way that by themselves probably wouldn't quite work so like how looking at the new record uh did you did you produce the new one did you did you yeah. do all this stuff yourself on the new one so what was that how was that process different from shit slime or from lurking doom or anything that came before it uh i took my time and and exercised patience and a uh, calm I wasn't just like, let's fucking do this shit right now. <laughs> how like long we did you how long did it take? Um, well, to be real about it, like recording the actual instruments and all that shit took like three or four months just doing it at the crib, you know? And also having Mamo come over and working on vocals and like like hammering out the concept for the lyrics and like writing it. Like, cause it's like the whole thing is kind of like a story. It's kind of like a concept album story type of thing and uh just hammering that out and seeing like you know workshopping it seeing what fits and what doesn't and what we're happy with and then you know like i had all this stuff done and then i had steve he recorded his guitar solo stuff like at his place and just sent it over and i like put it in and i had all the interludes and stuff done and the vocals and i'm just like man like i tried to mix it and it wasn't coming together right and then I had our friend Jamie, who's also in Hot Graves, but he sings for The Absent and yeah. uh, Dissevered and all that shit. We, he came into town to visit. He's actually coming this weekend too, but he came to visit. I'm like, yo, dog, I need you to do some vocals on this album. He's like, yeah, yeah, cool. What song? I'm like, all of them. All of <laughs> <laughs> like there's literally a Jamie guest vocal spot on every single fucking song on this record. And all the, like, all the vocoder like narration bits. Um, that's me playing the vocoder, but he's doing the the oration yeah. behind the vocoder. Well, tell us tell us a little bit about the uh, about the concept. So, the first song, as you know, is "Celestial Mycelium." This is the story of a of of a time before our time when, you know, a giant meteor from the other side of the cosmic cluster came, festooned with spores from different galaxies, and festooned crashed into up a in this motherfucker. <laughs> And, uh, you know, hit our planet and uh, the catastrophic destruction of life 
immediately, but many millennia later, you know, from underneath began, became the mushrooms from the other places finally finding their place in a habitable planet. And, uh, you know, the, the, the narration behind it is that these spores and mushrooms came here to take this planet over because wherever they were from, they couldn't, they couldn't live anymore. So they used this, this meteor like a fucking spaceship to get to our planet where it was nice and moist. And then they like did their thing and they're like, oh, well, there's creatures here too. We're going to take them over as well. So we start eating them and like our brains start evolving and blah, 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 blah. And then like the rest of the album is like when this person, that's like setting the stage for this person who is like ingesting mushrooms and like seeing through the veil of deception and the bullshit of reality and like, you know, is this coming me? into I, I like it. <laughs> so the rest of the album is him like slowly mind, but also when he gets to the last mushroom to eat, this is like the original celestial mycelium spore. And it when he eats it, he trips to become like everything about him becomes a part of the cosmos. So he has like universal awareness of the cosmos. But all that does is reveal how horrific and chaotic and like full of death and destruction the entire universe is. Two questions. Sure. Two. Are mushrooms better in Florida and because they're grown in the swamp? I've heard that before. Um, I'm going to say no. I prefer ones that are like cultivated in nice sterile environments and uh, from, you know, more exotic spores that come from other places besides Florida. Like where? Like Thailand. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah like, oh, yeah. We're getting, we're getting into it now. Question two. Have you yeah. ever read Alan Moore's The Swamp Thing? uh yeah i've read a lot of swamp thing but that's definitely my favorite that reminded me of basically that which is the uh the hypnosis you gave is kind of like you know the alan moore from uh yeah swamp thing you know he becomes one with the entire swamp like his consciousness from from ingesting it and becoming it so yeah that's kind of brilliant because that's how we view like we view the cosmos as a cosmic swamp you know we're from the swamp but like we view like what's out there beyond this planet as like a swamp of like dark matter and stars and event horizons and shit you know yeah there you go are you, figured have it out. you are you familiar at all with a with a documentary called the botany of desire either of you guys no i've seen the title but i have not it's it's pretty tight, man. I of all of all things, I had to watch it for a horticulture class that I took. <laughs> um, and basically, like the the conceit of the whole thing is that the the evolution of plants in different aspects of, or different different parts of the world have sort of uh, become entwined and enmeshed with other creatures. That that sort of in a way like the the plants. It's not to say that they have agency in the way that like a human being does, but they are. They have adapted to exert their influence on other species, and it yeah, they've asserted handful. themselves in the ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, and so it focuses on like a handful of different plants. I think there's like four different ones. Like it talks about apples, and it talks about some other ones, but it also talks about weed. And I think that even though mushrooms aren't necessarily a plant, it's sort of a similar connection like kind of what you're talking about right now oh, yeah. so like i i can readily admit like i i've never fucked with anything like that just because i'm not right enough with the world to even like <laughs> consider it i am very interested in micro dosing if i knew that that was something that i could do like you said from sort of like a a more qualitative um like 
predictable source as opposed to just like random shit that's getting found whenever or wherever. But sure, as yeah. somebody who is sort of on the outside of that, I'm really interested in in like your journey with this and sort of how this has obviously it's shaped Warf Lurch and it's shaped sort of this this understanding of the music that you guys have and the 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 concept that's attached to the upcoming record. Uh, but like you personally, do you feel like that has sort of um, aided your musical growth in one way or another? Like, this is really interesting to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's aided my personal musical and emotional growth, like, like, amazingly. Like, to be real with you, like, five years ago, we couldn't have had any of these conversations because I was just, like, in a bad place mentally, bro. Like, I was depressed. I was, like, I was holding myself hostage with madness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and um, a buddy of mine uh, was living in town and he was seeing, you know, really high quality mushrooms and all this stuff. And he started making these little chocolates that were like, you know, a certain dosage, you know, you take two of them and that's like a real thing. You take a half of one, it's like a micro thing, you know? And uh, so I just started doing that like super regularly, you know, not really like partying, but just like, I would like take a little bit and I'd go out and like have some dinner and like see some people have some drinks and be like, all right, I'm kind of tripping. I'm going home. But really like what it did was just transform my mind state. You know, it helped me stop being hung up on my egotistical bullshit that was like making my life worse and making driving distance between myself and other people and like totally destroying my sense of community around me, you know, and it took me to start like instead of hating people for being people i started sympathizing with them for their human condition and i started understanding like yo you know we're doing the best we can do this is a fucked up situation you know what i mean it's like we're this this be this being that's smart enough to like know we exist in this universe but we're like not smart enough to know that it like fucking means nothing that we are here and you know you got to stop like trying to be like oh this is my purpose and oh i'm not living up to my potential and all this bullshit you know what i mean it is, I, and I, like that to me sounds like a really amazing like revelation to come to uh, specifically when you talk about getting over your own bullshit and sort of realizing that you are part of a network of people right that that yeah. idea of ego death where ultimately you you are still there, but you are aware of yourself as part of a collective rather than just one person who's sort of pinball bouncing off of one object, one obstacle sure. to the next. And so it's, it's, it's cool to think about that sort of in the way that it can benefit you in a social context. Um, and then also with a number of different things, uh, I've, I've read specifically benefits involving like OCD and PTSD and things like that. But, you know, in addition to that emotional growth and that therapeutic usage, it's also really cool that there is sort of this this other art based journey that can be attached to it. Right. Finding new meaning in other things that you might, you know, whether it's movies or comic books or anything like that. And then also then in creating the things that you that you like. So whether it's music or whether it's some other form of art. Yeah, I find that like that the psychedelic experience for me, like I don't like take drugs and then like I'm going to write an album. Yeah, it's like that's fucking stupid. Like, I don't I don't I don't see how anybody pulls anything off while under the real effects of psychedelic drugs. But to me, what I take from that is like this vibe that I must find a way to like recreate for other people who aren't taking these drugs so they can understand what I'm trying to say. 
you know like I, that's what that's what a lot of the synthesizers in the album is about it's like about creating that sort of like ominous otherworldly texture you know in your mind when you hear this shit you feel like you're getting close to that i feel like when you hear the rest of this record yeah i'm, I'm like right there with it because i don't want it to be like so much that we like need a fucking keyboard player in the band or something yeah. but um but like it's all through everything you know it's all there do you guys have any live plans for this shit things are starting to open back up is this going to be the kind of thing that you guys can tour or what oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so we just announced the show that we're playing in town we not we announced two shows yesterday huh. we we're playing a show in town here on the 26th of september with like some other local cool bands one band is like a grindcore band that does like this uh like extreme wrestling theme with the luchador masks and all the like stunts and shit so that should be fun yeah like i was really honestly i was super up about this shit for a minute i'm like man i'm not playing a show until like some super dope death culty shit comes through but now i'm like man i don't know like there's no death metal bands in my town i want to like be a good influence you know i want to be like hey fuck it we'll play doesn't it seem cool to be in a death metal band? Maybe you should make one too. Like, I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, with the, specifically talking about like the enhanced community that, that psychedelics provide or sort of the, the, the attunement to community that maybe sure. they can aid with. I feel like a lot of us, especially people who are really, really, really into live music, I feel like a lot of people coming out of lockdown are going to want to see anything that they can. And I feel like, especially in a situation where you say, like, we're the only death metal band in town, you're probably going to get a lot more open ears than you would have two years ago, three years ago, right? It is true, um, yeah. And so it would be really cool to get on a bill with, like, a grindcore band and a fucking doom band and whoever else you can get together um, and then, like, sort of have this really interesting representation of the music community in wherever you're located. Yeah, it is It is true. Like, one band is kind of like a hardcore-ish band, and then one band is, like I said, the the grind, and then the other band is kind of more like a techie death band, or they're more like a, a Black Dahlia kind of vibe death metal, you know, like kind of Swedish yes. melody influence, you know? But... um. That'll be cool. And then the other show we announced is we're playing uh, Total Death over Mexico in 2022. Nice. Where now? Where does that take place? Mexico City. Nice. If you now you, you, earlier you said something about you and your singer just getting back from Mexico at the beginning of the quarantine. Were y'all down there for another music related event or? Yeah, we were down there for the previous. There was Total Death over Mexico three that happened last March, and um, our other band Hot Graves got to go down and perform at that nice how was it yeah it's fucking incredible dude <laughs> it was the one of the best weeks of my entire life trans transformative like experience for me you know like i was also in a pretty bad place i had lost my job all this stuff's happening like i was like i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna do in my life i'll figure it out when i get back from mexico but guess what you get back from mexico and here's a pandemic so i was just like well fuck it <laughs> you know, like, let's when just, time to think yeah let's just do this shit like it changed my attitude you know honestly like i I derive endless amounts of 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 positive vibes and a wellspring of of goodwill from this whole thing honestly that i never really had access to previously in my life that's like an incredible thing to come out of this experience with right oh, yeah man fuck yeah dude i ain't here to let no pandemic bog me down i'm trying to beat the odds you know what i'm saying yeah. Well, I mean, I think that 
it's it's really easy, to, especially when we get into isolation, like a lot of people have sort of been forced into. I think that it's really easy to sort of lose that kind of optimism. And especially when you see like, so like when you talk about it right now, it sounds like a genuine thing. And it sounds like something that you really like were almost forced into when you talk about sort of the, the way things were going bad. And then you came back and, and like you had this option of sort of laying down and dying or trying to make something of it. The flip side of that is like all this social media shit over, especially like six months into COVID when people started tweeting about like, if you don't learn two new languages and finish a book <laughs> and a fucking degree or whatever, what are you even doing with your life? And you want to be like, why would you try and quantify it that way? Like, I feel like whatever somebody's just journey is to make it through this thing, um, if like, I feel like just surviving it is productive enough. Like, literally right because it's a fucking lethal disease but at the same time sure um to try and say like these are the kind of things that you need to do i feel like is is really sort of critical and i don't think that it is is that beneficial for other people who are like using this to do things like create music to, to form with other people in their community or just to get right with themselves after they're forced to sort of be solo for a while yeah and I'm not, I'm definitely never going to be the person to tell somebody anything that they should do, but I am going to damn sure try to like live by example and just kind of be open about what I'm going through. And that way I can like exert a good influence without having to like be pushing that towards anybody. You know what I mean? Because yeah, I, I mean, I have friends that I will cuss out about this shit. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, man? God damn it. But those are people I really love, you know. I can't, I can't get all that energy up for people I don't know that well, you know. Well, but you, but in a way, um, it, obviously, it's not the same thing as like getting up in a friend's face when they're fucking up or whatever. But you do have a very open presence when it comes to maintaining community. Like you do. One of the things that I noticed about you is that you do the um, is it War Flourish Wednesdays is what you call it, right? Where sure. like you guys have the uh, the Instagram live feed going for a little while. You'll have people come in and. That sort of where did that come from and what do you think that does for like community and connection and sort of that kind of openness well it's that's a good one because that's something that kind of happened like organically and i didn't intend for anything specific to happen out of it i just kind of started doing it it really came from you know seeing certain people go live i'm like oh man it seems like fun whatever and then one day i came home and i had like six packages that i got in one day and i'm like fuck this i'm going live and opening some mail dog let's party nice. and i was and I was like, I had a couple beers, you know, and it was just like, it was a good, it was a good bit of laughs, you know? And then actually Steven, our guitar player coined the war flirch Wednesday phrase. He said it at practice. Cause we always rehearse on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So he would be like, oh shit, it's war flirch Wednesday. And I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. You're damn right, daddy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I started doing that and then I was like, well, fuck it. Let's just kind of make it more like a regular show. And I'll just like start interviewing people, you know? And that's also, I would say that took influence from Ken's crypt over that as well. You yes. know, I like, I really enjoy what he does with that. And I just thought I could do it a little less formally, you know, just a little more goof offily because that's kind of how I am. But I, I, I think that I think that taking away the formality from that kind of thing and making it more commonplace, I, I think, is one of the things that the pandemic has sort of forced us to do. But it's also one of the things that it's forced us to realize is like not a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, like you look at this podcast, for instance, right? Like we're not going to edit this motherfucker when we're done talking <laughs> like that's it. We're gonna upload this motherfucker and that's it. And I, I think that that replicates sort of it, I, I don't want to say that it replicates the in-person experience but i do think that when we when we 
when we think about these kind of connections as these things that are going to be there forever, right? You can go back right now. I can go back. I can pull up my phone, get on Instagram and go back and look at the IGTV uh, past Wharf Lurch Wednesday, my show that I used to do. I can look at old episodes of that. Um, I feel like going into that, there's sort of this inherent need to prepare like because we know that those things are going to be there forever so we want to have some sort of formalization to it but I think that one of the things the pandemic got us to do is sort of relax about that a little bit and let these things unfold like you said organically um see where the conversations go and and realize that that's like a productive way to interact that in the end doesn't have to be a replication or or an approximation of in-person meetings but it can become something different entirely. Right? Yeah, it's its I, I, own thing for sure. And that's yeah, the beauty I, of it because we embraced it like that. We didn't say, hey, what's this? Whoa, whoa, what are we doing? This is corny. It's just like, no, this is fun. We're talking, we're making friends. We're sharing ideas. We're sharing experiences. Like it's so many things. Like I, I, I bring these people on there, you know, we're all death metal, this, that, and the other. Guess what? All, everybody loves 3-6 Mafia too. You know, everybody loves yeah. like, you know, everybody's got all these things that are kind of like these unspoken truths that i'm actually trying to get to the bottom of by fucking with people you know what i mean which is which is fun and which is a fun process to work through and like you said like it creates bonds in a way that i think sort of the formal structure of an interview doesn't necessarily allow for and then there's something else about social media that and and i you know i've talked about social media a bunch of times and i think i've probably made it sound like i'm making critiques or whatever i don't want that to be how it sounds because like this is very much how I learned to socialize like even as a kid you know um and um I mean it's just a tool you know like it's like anything else like it's a tool like it's a hammer you could build a house with it or you could beat somebody's head in with it and it's like it's on the individual to like use this shit in a productive and positive way and not get bogged down by the negative aspects that other people try to force into it well or or by sort of the the need to project like this sort of uniform image of yourself right yeah, like you yeah. said we're all little dudes this and that but we 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 have conversations about certain things and we have all, all kinds of other shit come up but then realize that there are these other things that unite us too and i think that that is something that social media is entirely responsible for and and the pandemic yeah. in, in a way has facilitated because i think that a lot of people wouldn't become open to this kind of connection electronically if they hadn't been forced to not go out places and it's not to sit here and say oh that's a good thing or a bad thing that's just that's what's happened you know yeah and it's good for some people and it's less so for others i mean for me the people who i'm trying to interact with are people who normally wouldn't do this shit like they're not people who have an online persona that they're trying to project and uphold like i don't want to deal with people like that that's like that's that's tedious to me like i i don't i don't need that energy anywhere around my shit you know what i mean I mean, it's, it's, it feels kind of like a dead end, you know, I, I think yeah. that like you're just helping this person's career instead of having a conversation. Yeah. And when you're open to the conversation going anywhere, I think again, you know, that, that creates connections that probably wouldn't be there otherwise. Yeah. So when I started doing this though, like I didn't really think about it like that. I was just like, this is fun. You know what I mean? And then like yeah. people started making comments after I was like pretty regular with it. They're like, Oh man, I really look forward to this. Like it's something that I can like count on every week. And I was like, oh shit, I guess I got to keep doing this. Like this, like if people count on it, I can't let people fucking down. And I, if I know it, you know, so it's like now, man, you're chained to it. I love it though. Cause to me, it's, it gets more fun every week. Like last week I didn't have a plan. I didn't have nothing. I was like still shell shocked. Cause we had just dropped the single and like 
you know, I expected a, a good little bit of hurrah, but I did not expect this like overwhelming, like, like explosion of like goodwill and positivity and like support. And I was just like utterly uh, floored by it. Like, you know, I, and I, I was honestly in shock and I go on there and I just wanted to be like, yo, thank you. I burst into tears, honestly, over it. It was just like fucking beautiful to me. And the next thing you know, people are coming through and hanging out and talking. And it's like, well, this is a goddamn party is what it is. Well, and it's it's super. I think that I'm so glad to hear that the new single went over really well for you. Like I I have certainly seen the buzz about it. Like definitely, you know, people talking about it on like on 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 Twitter and Instagram. And it's definitely making the rounds. And I think that it's really I hope what it is is a really sort of promising snapshot of what the rest of the record looks like. And it looks like it's going to be a really fucking enjoyable time, man. So I'm excited. So let's let's do Mycelium. I really love that song. Bet your ass it's the most boring song on the whole record. No shit. <laughs> That's, I mean, I'm just saying, I love that song, but like that one is the first one because it's like we're saving the goodies, man. All right. I got you. So when you say boring, do you mean the rest of it's like less straightforward or like? No, I'm not saying boring. It's not boring at all to me, but like, no. of like, I mean, I feel like, like that was like the first one, you know what I mean? Like the, and it, I don't know, the other songs are just like, like a little more, adventurous there's a lot more variation in like tempo and texture and all that i'm excited to hear it man we're hooked man that's how you get them in give them a little taste and then you give them the real deal yeah i guess so like to me if i had my way like as soon as i finished getting that master i would just slap it on Bandcamp and say it's out but like you know when you're dealing with record labels and all this stuff it's like you got to do it but i mean honestly that's what i did with lurking doom you know i was like i didn't have a fucking record label or anything i just said fuck it it's it's out today I'm done with this. You're doing all of it, man. And then eventually people were like, oh, yeah, let's put that out. But I was like, I, I didn't count on that either. But now you got the whole package. You got the rollout. You got a label. You got, you know, the 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 different pre-order options. Like, hopefully <laughs> all of this is going to fucking give you guys something to bounce off of and get you out there, get you on the road. Hell yeah. yeah, man. We're getting all kind of offers and stuff, and I'm just trying to figure out how to best logically pursue it you know yeah it seems like kind of a weird time because there's so much there's so much on the horizon but at the same time like it seems like a little bit of a scary time to, to make concrete plans for something like right that, you know? that's why i felt really confident about doing the uh the total death over mexico thing because it's any it's a year in advance like if we yeah. can't figure this shit out in a year fuck it we'll know we'll know that we can't <laughs> by then man by then it's going to be huge. It's going to be fun. And, and speaking of which, like, first of all, this is my first time getting to talk to you in person. True. Awesome conversation. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. Thanks for having I, me, man. It's a blast. I feel like, especially with the musical journey conversation that we've had, the final question I have for you today, Mike Colby, <laughs> is going to have a particular interesting answer and i am dying to hear it zach would you please hit this man with the hammer i am dying to hear it man maybe yeah i'm just gonna yeah i'm just gonna let it happen what's your favorite black okay. sabbath album my favorite black sabbath album yes mm. i want to say heaven or hell we, we can you want to or you do? Or you do? Yeah. I don't know. 
because it's like it's either heaven or hell or volume four. Oh, very. This different is a record. tough choice to make. Those are very. And I, so uh, volume four, volume four, and sabotage. Well, actually, like four, five, and six. So volume four, sabotage, Sabbath, and sabotage are sort of the things that I've been continuously thinking about throughout this conversation when we're talking about the evolution of the band. Definitely. And we're talking about sort of going one place from the rougher earlier days into sort of this more developed and expansive sound. I feel like volume four was really a watershed record for Black Sabbath because they went in a lot of different directions that maybe yeah. that probably weren't anticipated before that. But I think Heaven and Hell is another example of when they did that, right? Because right. you have Dio coming in, you've got these three dudes who have been the best making, singer Sabbath ever had, dude. Fucking fucking amazing singer and like completely changes the sound of the band, right? Like and really evolves actual heavy metal at the same time. Yes, and, and so to to see that those two um, would be in your running for your favorite Black Sabbath record is is, is yeah, it's fitting. Is really cool. It's fitting. Yeah, I, I only I really say Volume Four because that's the one that I listened to. I've listened to the most consistently over the years. Like that's the one I never got burnt out on. But yeah. Heaven and Hell is the one that is like at this moment in my life the most fascinating album that they did for me. It is definitely fascinating epic right yeah. but then i feel like volume four is this really sort of multifaceted kind of it, it it's it's an album for all occasions you know you've got heaviest fuck moments on there like under the sun and then you've got sort of these more tender moments and these more exploratory moments yeah you've got, like party shit like saint vitus dance so like yeah yeah it yeah. is it is it is it is really cool to see a musician who's got like a whole bunch of different ways of of sort of going about making his art sort of see that reflected in in the in the stuff that's influenced him so Pretty yeah cool but you know what, you, you know what my favorite black sabbath song is sabra cadabra that that riff is sexual man that is a sexy fucking song dude that is a sexy song and the and the the synthesizer bits and all that dude oh the yeah he did a lot of stretching right? on that what's that I was going to say the whole synthesizer on every part of Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath is sexy, you know? Yeah, yeah. That whole, that whole record is just like a big fucking flex. It's weird. Like, I would say that was, that's definitely an influence on the fact that I wanted like synthesizers to be heavily involved in the, the flirch flow. It, it, well, it takes everything in a new direction. That's a, a dimension that you could not have possibly gotten otherwise. That is true. And also, you know, I do produce electronic music and I have like kind of a leg up in that area so like i'm i'll be damned if i don't like incorporate that and in what i'm doing unifying sounds this is what comes next that's awesome man thank you so again thank you so much for your time today dude we thank are you. definitely looking forward to seeing what comes next for for the flirch uh <laughs> stoked about the new record what's the release date again september 3rd it'll be a band camp friday faux show awesome Excellent. man we will stay we on will, top of that we'll promote that shit you're the man. And I'll we'll um, see you there, and we will be picking up the breadcrumbs of new singles and new previews between now and then. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be some previews are coming. Awesome, man. Thanks again, dude. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Much Bob. love, y'all. Appreciate Peace you guys. Out. Appreciate you. you too. What a good dude. Solid, positive dude. I love that guy. He was great. Solid, positive dude. I love, like, I. It, anytime a motherfucker starts talking about, like, their experience with psychedelics, I just want them to talk about that for the entire thing. Yeah, me too. Maybe I didn't want to be like, the guy that just talked about mushrooms the whole time, but we, we, we'll talk to him again, I'm sure. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I hopefully next time we'll um we'll have heard the record in full and be able to talk more about that because I'm stoked on it, man. I like yeah. that single, but I, you know, it's 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 weird to to talk to a musician and be like, I prefer your newer stuff over your older stuff because it sounds like shitty. And I and I don't mean it that way. Like I like I like sort of the raw aspect of the past shit and i thought that shit slime was really like sort of a step towards more cohesive songwriting but like when you hear that single from this new record um it's, it's definitely in in a different league and so i can't wait to hear that shit i can't wait to hear where it goes it excites me i can't wait to microdose with you and listen to death metal someday one of these days man <laughs> once it once it once it becomes decriminalized in the dc area please believe that i will be seeking out a therapeutic microdosing solution I love you, man. Thanks for all you do. Love you too, brother. We will talk soon. Talk soon. Have a Peace good out. rest of your day, bro. You as well.